July 1937, the world's most famous woman pilot disappears during her attempt to circumnavigate the globe. In 1988, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, a small nonprofit known by its acronym TIGER, began a science-based investigation of the Earhart disappearance. Decades of forensic research and a dozen South Pacific expeditions have now produced hard evidence from multiple disciplines to provide the long-sought answer to the riddle. In this series of conversations with Joan Sachs, Tiger Executive Director Rick Gillespie takes us step-by-step step through the adventures, the setbacks, and the discoveries that uncover the evidence that has solved aviation history's greatest mystery. Hi, I'm Joan Sachs. Like many of you, I've read newspaper and magazine articles, and I've watched television documentaries about Tiger's adventures and discoveries. As a member of Tiger, I've participated in research, and I know there is so much more to the story that has never been told. I've known Rick Gillespie and his wife, Tiger co-founder Pat Thrasher, for many years. So when Rick asked me to help him bring the behind-the-scenes story of Tiger's Earhart expeditions to the public in a series of podcast episodes, I enthusiastically agreed. Over the years, there have been 12 Tiger expeditions to the South Pacific, and we've organized the podcast into seasons. To follow the progress of the investigation, you'll want to listen to the episodes and seasons in order. For newcomers, we make it easy to catch up with the story so far by publishing a compilation at the end of each season. Now let's get to the next episode. Hi, Rick. At the end of season eight, it was the spring of 2012. You were convinced that if the wreckage of Amelia Earhart's Lockheed Elector was on the reef slope at Nicomororo, it was in deeper water than you'd been able to search with a small ROV used on the 2010 expedition. Going back with better technology was going to take a much bigger, more expensive ship, and you expected it would take at least another year to put that together and raise the money. In the meantime, you were planning that big symposium in Washington to mark the 75th anniversary of the Earhart disappearance. Then the State Department stepped in. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to even talk about 2012. Uh, oh. The... All the earlier expeditions, including 2010, which was a great expedition, but very difficult to put together, those, those had always felt like uh, climbing a steep mountain. You know, you, it, was, it was hard, but you could see what the obstacles were, and you eventually got to the top and got the expedition put together. Uh, is this just in the planning stages? You felt like that? Yeah. And for, uh. for 2012, yeah, I can talk. For 2012, <laughs> it felt like climbing an active volcano. <laughs> Why? Things, <In> what way? <laughs> things were happening that uh, there's no way you could predict. We couldn't. Uh, it, it was surreal. Uh, let me let me just explain. Um, we had this photograph, and we've talked about that. That Eric Bevington, a Colonial Service officer, took uh, during his visit to Nicomororo in October of 1937. 
And it right. turned out to show this one photograph, show something sticking up out of the water on the reef that for a while we called it Nessie because we didn't know what it was. <laughs> right. And then it turned out to be our analysis, our forensic scientist's analysis, Jeff Glickman's analysis, was that it was the wreckage of a Lockheed Electro landing gear. I said, well, yes. that's a lot of eggs to have in one basket. I asked for help from the State Department because we'd made some connections there and they had offered help. Right. And they had government photo analysts look at it and their conclusion was, yeah, uh, we agree with your guy. Uh, this appears to be Lockheed Electra wreckage. And by the way, stop calling it Nessie because the Loch Ness Monster is a myth. This is not a myth. This is real. You know, we can't be sure it's Lockheed Electra wreckage, but that's what it looks like. Wow. But you couldn't use that, right? Well, they didn't let us use it. They wanted to, you know, keep it quiet because they didn't want anybody knowing that they had worked on it because they weren't right. supposed to be working on stuff like this. But then they did report back to the State Department and the guy at the State Department couldn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> and uh, he let the Secretary of State know about this, Hillary Clinton at the time. And suddenly I get told that um, I, I get called into the State Department and told, hey, um, we want you to do this expedition and go out there and find that airplane. But we want you to do it this year. And uh, we don't want to wait till next year. Well, the reason they didn't want to wait till next year, because Clinton wasn't going to be secretary of state next year. They wanted uh, it to happen on their watch, but they right. didn't say any of that. They just said, we want you to do it this year and we'll help you all we can. We can't give you taxpayer money, but we can help you raise money. As a matter of fact, this is what I was told, you know, Google is going to provide funding and Lockheed Martin is going to provide all the technology you need, search technology for free. Wow. And, uh, Chevron is going to provide the fuel for the ship and FedEx is going to cover all the shipping for this. And all Tiger has to do is raise the money to pay for the actual ship charter. And to help you do that, we're going to hold a big event here at the State Department in the Benjamin Franklin room with the chandeliers and the whole thing and uh, get you all kinds of press attention and help you raise money. Well, good God, you know, you can't pass up a deal like that. No, and but still, you're, it was spring of that year, right? Well, th th this is like February I get hit with all this. Oh, gosh. And we have this big symposium planned and I'm supposed hmm. to be promoting that and putting that together. But now I've got friggin' secretary of state telling me they want to help us do, do the expedition that year. Yes. But um, that is an incredible offer though. Uh, yeah. Okay. Surreal. Like I said, yes. <laughs> so, based on those assurances, we signed a contract with the university of Hawaii to charter their 223-foot oceanographic research vessel, Ke'imika Okanaloa, which is kind of a mouthful, so everybody calls it K-O-K, <laughs> uh, for a 26-day expedition. Eight-day voyage from Honolulu down to Niku, 10 days of search operations, and then eight days back to Hano. You know, okay, great. And K-O-K is a huge ship. 
I was I was trying to think. I think the only time I had ever been on a ship bigger than that was one time I took the ferry across from England to the Netherlands. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. Yeah. So that the price tag for that charter was going to be seven hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars. That's wow. a lot of money, and. Yeah. All that got us with the, was the boat and the hull-mounted mapping sonar that came with it. The, the certain mm. technology we really wanted were the two three-person manned submersibles that KOK was designed to deploy. But the subs were undergoing an overhaul and upgrade and would not be available until the next year. Oh, geez. We'd have to go with whatever Lockheed Martin could provide, but at least it would be free. Okay, so here we go. Yeah. Um, then after committing to do the expedition and signing the charter contract for the ship, we found out that, as it turned out, Google and Chevron would not be contributing after all. Oh, no. But Asia said, oh, no, never mind. FedEx was still on board. But the worst blow was the discovery that Lockheed Martin didn't have any search technology appropriate to our mission. We oh. looked at, we checked with them and asked, what do you have it? No, that's not, no, that's not, a, they're in our, they make airplanes, <laughs> okay? Yeah, they, wow. They, they do all kinds of other technology, but they didn't have anything that we needed. Um, the best they could do was donate $200,000, which they agreed to do. Swell. We had a boat to take us to Niku, but no technology to search with when we got there. Oh. <laughs> with, <laughs> with two weeks to go before the big event at the State Department on March 20th, we had to find a contractor with the right equipment and fast. Really? All right. In 1991, we had hired Oceaneering International to do a sonar survey around the entire island. Oceaneering was no longer in business, but the manager... I had worked with back then, was now running his own underwater search company, Phoenix International, based in Washington, D.C. area. They did a lot of government contract work, like when the Navy had an accident with an aircraft carrier, something called a cold cat shot, where the airplane goes into the drink instead of... Oh. Uh, they'd, they'd go out and find the airplane. We got together, uh, the man manager, now owner of Phoenix, and I... We got together, we talked about Niku. Toad array side scan sonar is a problem on a steep reef face. One side of the, the device sees a foreshortened image and the other side sees only water. Oh. this thing behind a ship and you have to tow it right side up. So uh, it just doesn't work very well. He recommended something called an AUV, an autonomous underwater vehicle. This is really very new, state-of-the-art stuff in, in 2012. An AUV is, well, we had actually used a small one on the 2010 trip to uh, do a side-scan sonar of the lagoon, the flat bottom of the lagoon. It's, yeah. it's basically a, a robot torpedo. But this, <laughs> this one was much, much bigger than the one we surveyed with the lagoon. The thing is probably... Uh, 40 feet long. And, and, oh, gosh, but, really? I mean, this is a, it's like a torpedo. Uh, and you, well, could it handle the slopes? 
Well, that's the, that's the thing about an AUV. You're not towing it behind a ship. You program this puppy to go out and fly down the reef slope rather than across the reef slope. Ah. And now you're, you're searching with both sides of the side scan. And then right. when it gets to the bottom, it's supposed to turn around and fly back up. It's like a ski slope. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like a ski lift what? is the right analogy. Right. Sounds great. Okay. And then any um, anomalies we'd find, we would check out with a large ROV, much bigger than the little thing we, we used back in uh, in twenty. 10. Phoenix International didn't have an AUV, but they could rent one and have trained operators come along to operate it. Uh, and then there was, there was an outfit out of Louisiana that serviced the, uh, off the, uh, the Gulf oil industry, an uh-huh. ROV operator called Submersible Systems. They're really good. And they had a nice big ROV that we'd get them aboard. And Phoenix would just serve as the general contractor for that. You know, this is a very different expedition than any we've done before. Expeditions in before were carried out by tiger personnel, both professionals like myself and volunteers. And then right. we have an occasional contractor to do some small specific job. Mm-hmm. This time, everything was going to be done by a contractor. You know, I all I could do was come along and, and you know, watch and advise and direct to the extent I could, but it, mm. most of it was out, out of my hands. Now, the, the ROVs would be controlled from a self-contained command center in a modified shipping container that would be mounted on KOK's deck. And so the ROVs would be lowered over the side with a big crane, and, and so would the AUV, and that's how we'd operate. It all sounded like a workable plan. But we got all through the price tag for all this came to another eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Oh wow! On top of the on top boat. of University of Hawaii charter, wow, of, which is what do we say seven hundred and fifty-eight thousand. So, shit. yeah. Now the University of Hawaii would let us pay in three payments: a couple of smaller payments and then a big balloon payment at the end later in the summer. Uh, but Phoenix went of their money up front, all of it, but before wow. the expedition sailed. They had to have their whole $860,000 before they'd do anything. So this expedition that started out to be almost a free ride is now a $2 million trip. Gosh. A, a million six of that would have to be paid before we sailed on July 2nd. That was the target sailing date for Honolulu. Wow. Okay, so, all right, see ya. Uh, 1.6 million, you gotta raise before July 2nd. And Lockheed Martin was, Lockheed Martin was, they were good for 200,000. Yeah, and, but that and, doesn't look like much in comparison to the... Well, you don't lift a gift, look a gift horse in the mall. No, true. Um, Discovery Channel was in for another 200,000 for the documentary film rights. Hmm. They were with us in 2010, and they were willing to come back in 2012. Wow. And we had pledges from the Tiger membership, God bless them, that totaled uh, almost that much more again. Wow. All very generous and gratifying. But 
as I went into that State Department press event on March 20, we're a million dollars short. Wow. So, man, okay. We had a great turnout for the press event and terrific media coverage. Important people got up and said wonderful things about Tiger and about me. Of course. (laughs) But I assured everyone that we would do our best to complete this historic mission. And inside I'm wondering, how the hell am I going to find a million dollars unless I start robbing banks? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Like I said, I think back on that, uh, God, I can get myself into some awful messes. The next few days after the president, I, I did dozens of media interviews. And those interviews got picked up by newspapers, radio stations, and generated lots of attaboys and well-wishing, but no dollars. <laughs> you know, uh, the old- well, did they think you were funded that you're coming from the State Department and the oh, I all, all of this? Oh, we need to raise money. I said, well, good luck, you know. And, you know oh, gosh. It's like the old vaudeville thing. You don't applaud, just throw money, okay? But, <laughs> um, but then, geez, I guess it was like five days later, we got an email from a guy we'd never heard of who asked about funding opportunities. Okay, your ears pick up when... (laughs) But he said he wanted to come along. All right, well, that's not unusual. And we had used what we called sponsor team members before. Right. But you always check them out. You don't get on a boat with somebody that you're not sure about. It has to be a sizable contribution to be worth it. There's a phone number at the end of the email, and I, so I I called him up after a day or so, and I explained who I was and that I got in his email, and uh, I, I said I understand uh, you're curious about funding opportunities, and he says that's right, and I also understand that you'd want to come along on the expedition. And that's right. Yeah, I would. Um. You understand that normally we require a a fairly substantial contribution to do that. And, well, what's your budget? I said, all right, now it's looking like a $2 million budget. He says, I'd do half. Oh. And I about fell off my chair. Wow. I had never heard of this guy. And he wasn't asking for more information. He, there seemed to be no due diligence here at all. He says, wow. I'll come along, I'll give you half your budget. A million dollars. Now, he, how had he heard from you? One of the media what, outlets? Or what, what did he know about it? He had read about us in an article. Of, it was an AP story that had been picked up by a local newspaper in Wyoming. Hmm. And that's where he read about us. Wow. And then he just looked, got the email address and, you know, something the email. Uh, so did, I, I mean, he didn't even know when it was for sure, I guess. Well, he, he, he had the information that was in the interview hmm. and I'd run through, you know, here's where we're going to go and here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. And, you know, and um, wow. So, 
uh, I said, well, uh, how about I send you some material for you to review? He says, yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> I said, just sign me up. I would like to get together with you and, and at least I'll meet you in person. And so we agreed to get to, he, he was uh, at that time, he was at one of his homes up, uh, it was in Rhode Island. Ah. I flew up to Providence and we had lunch. It's a nice enough guy, uh, older gentleman, uh, did, and obviously very, very wealthy. And mm. He was just willing to do this. And uh, before we'd even had lunch, we had a transfer of stock that we, of course, immediately sold that was worth, I think it came into $1,054,000. Boom. Oh. Like that. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um jeez. Uh, it's like Deus Ex Machina. You know, suddenly something totally unexpected had apparently saved our bacon, you know. Now yeah. uh we still didn't have enough to pay all the rest of we we're still like four hundred thousand dollars short to pay University of Hawaii everything we owed them, but they right, were looking for that, that money right away. We we had till the end of the summer to raise that. But we could we could pay Phoenix and uh, we could pay the required money for um, University of Hawaii. We could pay airfare, et cetera, et cetera, and get the team together. And, uh, oh, and, and Phoenix decided not to rent an AUV. They bought one. Oh, and I decided to use this expedition as on-the-job training for their people to use this new toy that they had bought for themselves. Wow! So well, a good opportunity for them. Yeah, it was a great opportunity for them. So, oh, and and FedEx got on board with this thing, man. The, they, I I think they spent more on the public relations, marketing, and the the whole participation in the expedition than they did on the actual shipping costs. You know, they, wow, really? they shipped the AUV and the ROV and, and all that gear. Oh, my gosh. To Hawaii. I mean, shipping containers, I mean, huge stuff. And that's loaded then aboard this big ship. But the shipping containers are just emblazoned with FedEx logos and <laughs> logans and stuff. Sure. <laughs> and they, they had a whole team out there working with us to uh, do interviews and manage press. And they really got behind it. They did a fantastic job. So wow. there we go. You know, we, we get on the airplanes and we go to Hawaii and we arrive there at uh, at the dock in Honolulu, and there's there's KOK towering up, uh, above the wharf in front of me. I say, oh my wow. god, this is my boat. <laughs> okay, as if things weren't interesting enough at that point, they were about to get a lot more interesting. But we're gonna really, uh huh, yeah, the volcano. <laughs> was still cooking oh no <laughs> yep. well, we'll talk about that next time okay well thank you <laughs> thanks yeah, to hear about that 
Thanks for listening. The Earhart Expeditions is a serial history of Tiger's 12 expeditions to the South Pacific. We release a new episode each Tuesday. You can receive special bonus episodes and get access to Tiger's extensive video library by becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search on Tiger, T-I-G-H-A-R. You can also be a part of the adventure and participate in research. Go to tiger.org and click on Join Tiger. See you next Tuesday.